This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Sirius XM, Channel 132 Business Radio. That's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Kent Smithers, professor here at the Wharton School. And new episodes of this show premiere every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. We're still not taking live calls, but if you're looking for a fee-only advisor, again, go to my website, kentonmoney.com. And the ongoing pandemic has many of us working, of course, online from home often, including on platforms like Zoom that we use for this taping. And so many of you also might be doing your shopping and banking online, and you're maybe uh, figuring out how to limit your uh, exposure, of course, to the virus to other people, but you're also wondering how do you limit the exposure to yourself of all this online activity and the dangers with all this, of course, uh, are starting to evolve all the more with the uh, changes in technologies with criminals and scammers out there. I'm uh, certainly keeping up with the development. So my guest today, he's been on the show in the past, Eric Haller, who is uh, the executive vice president and general manager Experian, of course, experienced one of the big three for doing credit um, scores, and he's responsible for, for experience identity and fraud business globally, as well as the company's data labs, which are located in San Diego, San Paulo, Singapore. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Thank you. Good to be back. Uh, talk to us about some of the biggest trends you're seeing, kind of this movement to kind of a, a digital touchless society. Well, there's clearly some big pivots in, in the market. You know, I, I call it the great pivot because, you know, we used to not that long ago feel that that going into uh, a retail store was much safer than, than shopping online. Uh, but then, you know, there's this biologic risk that's taken place uh, in that face-to-face environment. So so many have shifted to go back to, uh, uh, to or I should say shifted to feel that online is a safer environment. Uh, uh, to conduct their commerce and, and normal course of business. Uh, you know, it's, it's, what's interesting here is, you know, in that online world, while we forget, you know, because it's the safer biologic area, all the same risks that existed, you know, not too long ago uh, exist for us today. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's certainly um, those risks certainly existed with, you know, in the, in the normal department store with, you know, different credit card readers and so forth. Uh, but indeed, they certainly exist all the more in the online uh, world. So, you know, we, we certainly people face all these security features. Uh, and in, in many, certainly we're used to uh, typing in our three-digit code from the back of our credit card. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the features of security, two-factor authentication, and so many others uh, may be viewed as fairly cumbersome and people get frustrated. So do you agree that one of the biggest challenges that companies face is how to reduce the friction uh, for the identification process while oh. also reducing fraud? Or what, what is the big challenge that yeah, companies yeah. face? I think there are three major components that that clients, uh, our, our business clients are generally faced with. And, yeah. and you, you've hit on, on two of them, which is around security and making sure that they're operating in a way that uh, they're not compromising their clients, their, uh, the consumer's information or their client's data as, 
as well as the integrity of their own systems, uh, juxtaposed to convenience, which is you know what you refer to as the friction in the pot process and making sure that somebody has, uh, we'll say clear and easy access to the products and services that they're providing. And then I would say there's this third notion that that kind of goes hand in hand or in, in between both, which is personalization. You know, that, that every time you go uh, to somebody's site or engage with them, even in a, in a retail environment, you want, to, you want to be recognized, you want to be known, uh, you want the experience to be optimized to your benefit, uh, which requires uh, insight into who you are uh, rather than an anonymous, an anonymous transaction. Uh, so this is a pretty big challenge. You know, uh, IDC was uh, recently wrote that over the next five years, um, the number of terabytes per person that will be in existence is about 10 terabytes per person for everybody. Wow. wow. Yeah. To put that, to put that in context, the, the entire library of Congress is about 15 terabytes. <laughs> so the, it, you know, it's sometimes these numbers are getting harder and harder to believe, but that's, that's because of all the data that's being proliferated, mostly between how we're conducting ourselves in a digital world. It's also with all the devices that we're interacting with uh, around us, whether that's in our, in our cars, in our homes, uh, et cetera. So to be able to, so security becomes a pretty big factor there because with all that information being put out into, we'll call it the, I don't want to say ether, so I won't go too abstract, but into the world that there's, you know, a challenge of compromise and making sure that you can operate with integrity across, you know, multiple environments with multiple businesses, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And I just did a quick Google search. I mean, you send this 10 terabytes and people don't even know that terabyte is, you know, a thousand gigabytes, the entire human genome only requires 1.5 gigabytes. And so <laughs> your entire DNA code could be fit on 1.5 gigabytes, but we're talking about roughly, not quite a thousand times uh, bigger, but, that, but almost that. Yeah, it's crazy numbers. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we throw these numbers around. Actually, I was going to talk about in terms of exobytes, and I never even bring up exobytes, but, you know, that's how how we're communicating a lot of these things today. Yeah, well, you know, and certainly we're gonna have to learn how to spell those those words, unlike Google who got it wrong the first time when they thought that that, that was the right spelling for the biggest number out there. Uh, but certainly let's talk about best practices in terms of kind of safeguards I mean, to protect businesses and consumers. I mean, again, you know, should we be worried if our bank is not doing two-factor authentication and, and, and things like that? Well, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that experience pretty active in. And, and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I, if you'd like, I go through best practices for a consumer and then maybe sure. best practices for business. So for a consumer, uh, we recommend five basic things. Um, one, these, are all, these all should make sense to everyone. When you're using your credit card or you're, you're conducting commerce, don't do it over public Wi-Fi. As as uh, as safe as you may feel, and you know, I know that this this can be a challenge because uh, you know I I've done it myself where I'll be at a, at a, a you know retail strip mall and I'm like oh I want to turn around the corner and order some food and go pick it up. Don't right. do it if it's a public Wi-Fi. Uh, you're pretty protected. Uh, look, lost stolen cards, Fair Credit Reporting Act does a great job of protecting consumers. You know, you're you're really zero zeroed or very little exposure if somebody were to steal it. But you know, there's other information that you're providing in that transaction, possibly, and you don't want to compromise out in the open because they can right. turn around and do some other things with that. The second thing is right now for phishing, and if you're not familiar with the term phishing, basically uh, somebody trying to manipulate you into thinking they are somebody they aren't. 
So I might say, hey, I'm Amazon or I'm a bank. Right now, and then you provide, they ask you for your personally identifiable information, you provide it, and, and then they go and they do something bad with it. Right now, there's you know, a challenge with people uh, trying to manipulate others into thinking that they can put you on a priority list for a vaccination for COVID. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're preying on the challenge of the moment to get people to provide their personally identifiable information. So, you know, like what I like to do sometimes is if it's an email, I'll click on the email and usually um, you'll see uh, the, the actual email behind whatever it represents itself to be. So if it says it's Amazon, click on it. And if it's some funky email address, it probably isn't Amazon. Uh, but generally, if they're asking, anyone's asking you for your PII, your radar should go up and think that this may be a scam. Yeah. You know, the thing, really simple, protect your passwords. You know, uh, uh, there are a lot of a lot of passwords being traded out in the dark web. Uh, the password that you may use for one account uh, could get compromised. And if you use the same password for all of your, your accounts, that could be a real challenge. Um, evaluate the complexity of your passwords. If you need a password manager, go buy one. Um, that, but that that's an important piece. Fourth thing, social media. Really easy to forget. Uh, that when you when you put things on social media, there are others that are watching that you may not may not want them to be watching. So if you like uh, take a picture of your car in front of your driveway and you're exposing your driver's plate, your driver's the the, the car registration plate, yeah. um, you know people will pick up that information, combine it with the other PII that may be on your profile, and all of a sudden they're they're off to do something nefarious with your data. If you're on vacation. Um, you know, we like my family, we like to post our, our vacation pictures when we come back, not when we're out and actively vacationing mm, because right. you know, there are people who know that you're not home. They may either do something to your house or they can use, you know, a lot of fraudsters will use people who are on vacation, use their properties for drop boxes or, you know, hot spots. They have packages delivered and then they can go and, and pick it up. You're, you're kind of opening yourself up for, uh, for fraud being a target. And then lastly, and this is uh, kind of a no-brainer, credit monitoring. So, you know, ultimately, you, you never want to be a victim of identity fraud. You never want to pull up a credit report and see uh, uh, obligations that you never signed up for. But, you know, you, you really should stay on top of it. For the next six months, Experian is offering weekly access to your credit report for free, along with the other credit bureaus. And, and all you have to do is go out to um, annualcreditreport.com. And you can, you know, register and, and get immediate access to your credit report. So that is something that, you know, I personally do. Uh, and, and it gives me a good peace of mind to know that, uh, uh, you know, everything looks the way it's supposed to look. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. That is really neat. Again, next six months, uh, experience the other credit providers providing that Um that safety. So r really quickly, I mean, it's, it, let's think about businesses in particular, a lot of small business owners listening to the show, there's some things that they should be doing. Well, so uh, for a small business, I would be looking for, so most, most folks don't manage fraud technically. If you're a small business, you're usually relying on a service provider. And so I would be asking some very specific questions of my service provider, like what, what, are all the ways that you're protecting me for fraud. Like we would recommend obviously looking at uh, the data that you would never see as a, as a small business, but is captured in a digital environment. Things like the device identification, things like what we call behavior biometrics, which is looking how people are swiping their phone or key entering their keyboard to see if it's a bot or a live human being. Doing right. things like malware detection, 
looking for things like emulator software to see if somebody's using developer software and pretending that they're you uh, when they've actually just hacked and co constructed a, a, a device that, that looks like it's your device. Um, these are all things in addition to what you would typically expect around validating things in a shopping cart, like shipping address and does this name or a person, you know, foot with the, the, the same address that something's being shipped to. Um, but it's, it's a matter of pulling all these pieces together. And then I would ask, you know, are you using artificial intelligence or what we call machine learning to be able to knit these signals together so that you can get a better perspective uh, of what's actually taking place from a risk Risk is the machine it's learning uh, kind of there yet, or is it still being trained over? Uh, so, lots of so you know, it, it all depends. So, so we actually we conduct an annual survey around identity and fraud, and and specifically mm -hmm. the use of machine learning. And we looked at uh, sixty-five, uh, sorry, six hundred and fifty businesses uh, around the globe. Now, these are large businesses, so they're not small yeah. businesses; they're large. But of the largest businesses that uh, that we conduct a survey with, about half right now are actively using machine learning in both a supervised and unsupervised uh, um, uh, perspective. So sure. uh, I could get into a lot of detail here, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain our, our, you probably aren't gonna give me enough time to get, get into the details. Yeah, yeah I am very curious about that. You know, yeah. is all, all the learning happening on their own data or is there's you know, a third party aggregating across lots of different experiences as, and so forth. As you know, our, our labs and, and so when we get into the yeah. subject, I, I get pretty excited. And, yeah, you know, yeah, no, I, I get that. And so then finally, let's uh, talk about individuals again. You mentioned this password keeper is something on mm. online. And certainly, you know, Google has that kind of built in already to your web browser. Then there's all the lots of different other sources for that. But people kind of view that, well, maybe it's a circular problem. I mean, why should I trust the online and now? all of a sudden I have this one place as all my passwords. And if that thing gets hacked, man, I am really doomed. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, a, a few things would probably be more since, since we don't offer a, 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 a password manager, yeah. uh, I, I would say I would first look at the, uh, uh, the integrity and character of the company that you're choosing to trust. Yeah. So, you know, the, uh, uh, not all companies are the same. And so whoever you choose to manage your passwords, it should be somebody that you feel actually does go the extra effort uh, to protect those passwords. Second, second thing I probably would be looking for is um, how, how convenient is it for me to use that password manager and how I conduct business today? Yeah. So is it, is it easy for me to invoke uh, online or is it easy for me to invoke uh, on my phone? You know, I'm not a big advocate of containing your passwords in your browser software. Yeah. For, for the simple thing, a piece of malware comes and, and, and perhaps you've exposed yourself in a way that, 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 that uh, those passwords are being uh, decrypted. Um, so, but those are the things I, I would be looking for. You know, that's, that's, that would be, I would say, to be continued conversation because uh, sure. I, I think that's, that's an area that we're exploring in our labs right now because we actually think that uh, that's an area we can make a, a pretty significant impact in. Excellent. Eric, thanks so much for coming back in the show. It's great to have you again. Uh, thank you very much, Ken. I really appreciate it. And you can find out more about Eric Haller in his work at Go to the Experian website. Uh, but you can also follow him at twi on Twitter. His uh, handle is at Eric Haller2, and that's spelled Eric, H-A-L-L-E-R-2.
the number two. And I'm Kent Smith. This is your money. Remember, you can connect with me online by going to my website, kent.money.com. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.